trying to get this on. There we go. Getting that on, and we'll get it together here in a second. All right. If you're going to go to football camp next year, you need to start saving now. It costs $300. It's not cheap, okay? It does cost something. It's rather expensive. So you might want to start planning now. Start saving now. Put some money aside on a regular basis. Um, but uh, it's worth going back, isn't it, fellas? You going back? Okay, we already got a couple guys saying they're going back, it looks like. You plan on going back, brother? Depends on if, how you're breathing. Oh. <laughs> okay, all right. All right, he's going to go back. Brother Kavanaugh, <laughs> brother Kavanaugh, I'll talk him into it again. All right. Yeah, he'll, he'll talk him into it. I, I got a feeling. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and uh, get things moving along. We've been dealing with our Doctrinal Delicacy series. We have a baby dedication tonight, so we're going to move along quickly tonight. But uh, we have Doctrinal Delicacies, and we've been dealing with salvation. We talked about salvation already. And uh, we basically, you take Romans 6.23, you know, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Oh, I just, yeah, wait a second, why did I put that on there? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's see, I should have said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Let me change that one. Romans ten thirteen. Okay, I'll put that one, leave it there too. But then you have everlasting life. I think that's probably the one I read the road, write it for and I put it above it. Uh, I did, I swapped them. John three sixteen and Romans six twenty three. I just flipped them. Okay, so anyway, you have uh, salvation and you got everlasting life. We talked about both of those. Those are some pretty good delicacies in the doctrinal aspect of it. And tonight, we want to just touch on another one, and it's kind of a familiar one, but with our baptism coming up next week, I wanted to touch on it very briefly since we had just a short time. I've talked about it not long ago, too awfully long ago, but let's touch on it again very quickly. It's so important, and again, I think that what happens is is that sometimes we, we neglect... Uh, the importance of this because it, it is a difficult thing to get people to do sometimes. We feel like if I ask them to get baptized, they'll never come. They'll never come. And the problem is they're not going to come anyway, right? Uh, if, if someone's not willing to take a next step, they're not going to take the step after that either. Okay, so, you know, we need to be, we need to be biblical in our, our approach. And biblical in our approach means that we want to emphasize the things that God says are important, okay? So we want to definitely do that. And so today I want to talk on just very briefly the purpose the method and the importance of baptism, okay? Those basically, just those three thoughts, the purpose, the method, and the importance of it. And so we'll just take a few minutes and we'll look at that today. So let's have a word of prayer and then we'll continue on. Father, again, we thank you for this time together. We just want to learn something today, Lord. It'll be more like a teaching time here today. But Lord, may you just speak to our hearts. Lord, baptism is so valuable, so important, so necessary in the life of every believer. So many times, Lord, it seems to be an area that might be overlooked or skipped. Uh, Father, uh, neglected, but Lord, may it not be so, for, because Father, honestly, we need to take that first step of obedience after trusting and receiving Christ as our Savior. Lord, we need to get things moving in the right direction. Help us, Lord, to be encouraging uh, in others that are saved to be baptized, to take that step so that they can grow in grace and ultimately, Father, receive the many blessings that, Father, you would have for them. Now, Lord, today we need you. Fill me with your spirit, and Lord, may I be a mouthpiece to you today. Lord, may people see you, not me. And Lord, may we hear with spiritual ears. Oh, God of heaven, we need the presence and the power of your Holy Spirit even now. Lord, we'll thank you for it in Christ's name. Amen. Baptism, of course, <clears throat> is an issue that's caused a lot of controversy through the years. If you know anything about it, I mean, if you've ever done any study of history, you know that baptism has created a lot of problems in the long run. Um, many practice baptism, but many practice it 
many different ways. <clears throat> Not everybody does it the same way. And um, God has a specific way He wants people to be baptized. It's very simple. And you know, a lot of times, again, in our culture and our, our society, the, way, the world in which we live, you know, we've come to this idea that we can kind of do things the way we want. As long as we end up in the same place, who cares, right? As long as we get baptized, well, then that's good enough. It doesn't matter how we do it as long as it gets done uh, because that's the kind of culture we live in. Everybody's right. Everybody does whatever they want. It's okay. And unfortunately, that's not the way it's supposed to work. So God has specific things, specific way to get things done. <clears throat> there are people that have literally lost their lives over this issue of baptism. You know, we think it's not a very big deal. We think, well, it's just somebody going down in some water and uh, it's just the church. You know, it's just the way they do it. It's their tradition. No, it's not tradition. It's first of all, it's biblical. It's scriptural. It's God's word. And, and, and secondly, I mean, it costs people something. It costs people their lives through the years uh, to follow through with a biblical principle, to follow through with biblical baptism. Now, <clears throat> God's ways aren't always the most popular, but they're always right. And so we need to understand what it is to be baptized. And so we want to touch on a couple of things. First of all, the purpose, as I said, then the method, and then the importance. So we're going to look at them in that order today. So what is the purpose of baptism? I mean, if it's so important, why is it important? I mean, what's its purpose? Well, baptism is a picture of some things, okay? It's a picture. We talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Over in the book of Matthew, if you turn there, look over at chapter 3, verse uh, 16. <clears throat> chapter 3, verse 16. And, and a lot of this will be, you know, we're going to, you can't help but kind of go over some of it here and then some of it again later. It's going to kind of crisscross a little bit. But over in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, notice the Bible says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. We see this picture. We see Jesus Christ being baptized here. But what happened to Jesus uh, before he was baptized? He died. I mean, after he was baptized, of course, he died. So he dies like this, okay? He's on a cross, he's, 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 he, he dies, he's buried, he rises again. It's funny that his baptism reflected that. It was already a picture of what would take place one day in his life. He would die, be buried, and rise again. And that's exactly what happened. So we see it in Matthew prior to his death, prior to his burial, prior to his resurrection. We see the picture there. We see it then in his death, burial, and resurrection. And guess what? Every time one of us is baptized, it pictures the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's pretty simple. It's pretty basic. It's not very complicated. Now, I have to, I've got a bunch of papers everywhere here. But um, some, uh, you know, uh, have thought that baptism, basically the purpose of it was to save you. You know, they, they thought baptism was required. It was necessary. It was an absolute uh, necessity for salvation. There are people today, churches today, that still teach that if you don't get baptized, you're not saved. Uh, and, and, and there are churches that uh, baptize infants. There are churches that baptize children. There's churches that baptize for the purpose of hopefully saving their soul from hell. That's why they baptize them. And the fact is, is that for 200 years, the New Testament practice of believers' baptism was by immersion, okay? And they, they just emerged, people, the first couple hundred years. You know, Jesus Christ on the scene, and for the next couple hundred years, they're, they're emerging. They're doing things, doing things the way God intended it to be done. But then this unscriptural doctrine of baptismal regeneration kind of stuck its ugly head up. And, and people started kind of giving the idea that, that that baptism is so important that if you don't get it, you're going to be lost. 
If you don't get baptized, you can't be saved. You won't end up in heaven. Justin Martyr, he lived between 100 and 165 A.D. He wrote that, quote, Baptism brings forgiveness and the pardon of sins. It transplants into a new existence, and without it, there is no salvation. I mean, that was the kind of teaching that was starting to pop up after the death of uh, John. On the Isle of Patmos, we know about John. He died in probably about 100 A.D. Now, all of a sudden, we have all of this stuff taking place here. We see some things uh, going on, baptismal regeneration. Hermas, he lived in 115 to 140 A.D. He wrote this, that there is no other repentance than this, that we go down into the water and receive the forgiveness of past sins. So we go down into the water, we receive the forgiveness of past sins. So unless you're baptized, you haven't received the forgiveness of past sins. Now, I don't know what he does with the future sin, but what I do know is he says that you have to be baptized to have your sin forgiven, at least past sin. A hundred years later, there's a guy by the name of Cyprian of Carthage. He lived between 200 and 256 A.D. He was basically the architect of, of, of one of the architects that ultimately was used to, to bring the, 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 quote, church, the Catholic church together at some point. Now, again, that wouldn't take place for another uh, 100 or so years where it starts coming together. But he, he laid some groundwork for that. But nonetheless, uh, he became an advocate of baptizing infants as soon as they were born. He began that practice uh, and started trying to encourage that practice between 200 and 256 A.D. Now, here's how it works out. Infant baptism was early on. There were some that were starting to baptize infants early on in the history of the church. Why? Because they were concerned that if they weren't baptized, they would not go to heaven, called baptismal uh, regeneration. Okay, so the purpose of baptism in many of their eyes was that you had to be baptized to be saved. The fact is, is that baptism, baptism for infants didn't really become really uh, the, the mainstay. It wasn't really the thing to do until the, the assembly of the Catholic Church a, a couple hundred years later. And and basically in 416, during the uh, decree uh, uh, council at Mela, they said, okay, you have to baptize infants. You have to baptize them. Well, up till 416, it was kind of like whatever you do, you do. Whatever you do, you do. Okay, whatever. But now it became official because it was part of the church. Well, all along, I want you to know there's always been a group of people that never, ever belonged to that church. They never did. They, they never did that. They said, we're going to baptize people when they get saved. We're not going to baptize them as infants. We're not going to baptize them until they've put their personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And so uh, that, that was how it worked out. But nonetheless, we see here that baptism, its purpose, had nothing to do with salvation. It has to do with a picture, a picture of the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It also has a, to do with a picture of our death, our burial, and our resurrection in Christ. Okay, so that's awfully important, and so it's necessary as well. Turn to Romans chapter 6, would you? Romans chapter 6. There's a number of verses there that we'll look at. In Romans chapter 6, we're going to look at verse 4 to begin with. It says, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the Dead, uh, from the, the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We are buried with Him by baptism into death. Okay, now again, that's, that's not, we're, we're not talking about water, you know, salvation here. We're talking about the fact that we're, we're going to see a picture here. Just as you died, we died in Christ the day we were saved. We, we're, we're placed in Christ. There was a death that took place. That old man died. Now there's a new creature, a new man. 
And we're raised to walk in newness of life, the Bible says. So when, when we go into those baptismal waters and we are uh, alive, standing there, and then we're buried and then we raise again, it's a, a picture of the death, the burial and resurrection that we have in Christ Jesus. So important. Over in Romans chapter 6, verse 11, it says, Likewise, reckon ye also, uh, ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Again, we, who we were, is no longer who we are. We're a new creature. We're a different person. Because we died the day we were saved to who we were. Now we're raised to walk in newness of life. And so in verse 11, it's very clear here that we to reckon or to reckon it to be so that we ourselves are dead indeed into sin. Therefore, we don't have the right to live like we used to live. We don't have the right to say, well, that's just the way God made me. No, God made you a new creature. Therefore, you can overcome sin. We, you and I can have victory over sin. It's a decision we make to walk in the spirit versus the flesh. Now, look at verse uh, uh, 12 and 13. He goes on to say, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. That all goes back to verse 4 when he says, again, that we should walk in newness of life. We walk in newness of life because who we were, we died, was buried, and rose again new creatures in Christ. Therefore, we can choose now whether or not we're going to yield to sin or yield to Christ. Before that, we could only do sin. That's all we had. The, the strength to do is sin. But now we can obey Christ. We can, now we can live for Jesus. Now we can walk in the Spirit. Verse 18 goes on to say, Be then made, uh, Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. Now we're no longer serving sin. We're free. We don't have to serve sin. We serve righteousness. That's a wonderful thing. So, again, the Bible tells me that I don't have to sin. Now, I know that in the Christian life, we would like to believe that we can't help it. That's just the way I am. That's just the way I'm made. I, I, I can't help it. But, but, yes, you can, and so can I. According to the Bible, that is. Now, again, you don't have to believe the Bible. But then again, I thought you believed it to be saved. So if you believe it enough to be saved, you ought to believe it enough to live your life. And the Bible says that we should be able to overcome sin, being then made free, verse 18, from sin. Made free from sin. You say, man, I war with sin every day of my life. I know, but you are free. You have to reckon that to be so. You have to say, you know what? I don't have to sin. I'm not bound by sin. I'm no longer captive to sin. I, can, I am free from sin. I can live for Jesus. That's the attitude that we ought to take because that's the biblical principle and that's the biblical perspective. Now, verse 22 says... But now being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Boy, I tell you what, we, we see here that just this constant uh, uh, reinforcement that we are free from sin, that we can live for God, that because of our salvation, because of our relationship with Christ, we can overcome. So the purpose of baptism is a picture. The picture of the death, the burial, and resurrection of Christ. To picture our death, our burial, and resurrection in Christ. And so we, we note that. And that's so important to understand because when you get a, a feel for that, when you really begin to understand that, you, you have to walk away saying, I don't have to live like I used to live. I, it doesn't matter. I, I know how I was raised. I know the home and the environment I came out of. I don't have to be bound by that. I, I don't have to be an angry person all the time just because my dad was angry all the time or my mom was angry all the time. I don't have to be bound by fear. 
because my mom or dad was always living in fear. I don't always have to allow myself to be a mess financially because they were a mess financially and they never taught me. I don't have to live my life, you know, in, in brokenness. And, and I don't have to always feel like the victim just because that's how I grew up being taught to feel. I don't have to live this way and I don't have to act this way and I don't have to feel this way. I don't have to do it because I'm a new creature. I'm no longer bound by my past. I'm no longer bound by my sin. I'm somebody different now. Amen. That's what the Holy. That's what God tells us, and and that's the the victory that comes through salvation. You know, it's so practical, and yet often we miss it, and we say, "Yeah, but you know, I was raised in a home where they cussed all the time, and where people lost their temper, and I just have a bad temper, and that's just the way I am." But you're not the person you were when you were raised. You're a new creature now. You're not bound by sin anymore. So the reason you're still an angry person is because you choose to be. You know, the reason why you still don't have victory over your flesh and you're consumed with lust, oh, it's not your dad's fault. Well, I just, that's the way it was. All the men in my family are like that. No, no. It's because you choose to be that way. No, you don't have any excuses and neither do I anymore. We don't have them. But you don't know, my mom did this to me or my dad did that to me. I understand all that. I'm not trying to be insensitive. I, I don't want to be, you know, I, we still want to be compassionate, I understand. But, but listen, you don't have to be bound by your past. You don't have to let that rule you anymore. You're a new creature. Break free from those chains. That's what we learn when we really grab hold of this thing and we understand the purpose of baptism is to picture what's transpired in our life, taking place in our life. Every time someone goes down in that baptistry water and comes out, it's a picture of what Christ did for you on Calvary, what he did by being buried and raising again. It's a picture of what took place in their life the day that they put their faith in Christ. That's why it's a joyous occasion, because we just see victory of that pool right there. There's victory there, because they're no longer bound by sin. They're free to serve the living God. So what's the method of baptism? We're going to skip to that right now. What's the method of baptism? Everybody says, well, of course it's immersion. It's, it's submersion. It's, 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 it's going down in the water. And, and, and you know what? You're, you're right. You're, you're on the money there. You are right. Baptism comes from the Greek word baptizo. It's a Greek word, baptizo, which means to dip, to plunge, to emerge, to submerge. The word itself inherently has the, the idea of going under completely. Completely, without doubt. Um, baptism, by definition, again, requires submersion as its method. And you know what? That is the only method that is biblical. We read already in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16, when the Bible said about Jesus Christ that he went up straightway out of the water. He goes down into the water. He, 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 he comes, as the Bible says, he went up straightway out of the water. And interestingly enough, he saw the dove descending. Now, again, there's debate. Some people have said, well, okay, okay, we're going we're gonna to baptize forward. We're going to baptize backwards. Well, submersion, okay, first of all, let's just settle it right now. You've you got to go all the way under. Okay, that's simple enough. I haven't really watched a lot of people baptize forward, but I've heard it used to be done some churches, some certain churches. And, and I'm not going to argue. At least they went all the way under. But hold on a second. It's interesting to me, and maybe I just misunderstand it. Maybe when Jesus came out of the water, he came out forward and went and saw the dove descending. Maybe. But it seems to me that if he comes straight... Let, let's look at the verse again real quick because it, it's kind of interesting to me. I, at least it is to me. 
because uh, you know you think sometimes, well, maybe we're maybe we're making a, a ma- we're majoring on minors sometimes, you know. And 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 okay, I, I'm not going to argue necessarily with somebody that would take this position, but the Bible says, and Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. Now, now okay, somebody could say, well, he went straightway out, straightway out. Okay, you, you, I could see that. You could see that too, right? Okay, uh, he didn't have to necessarily come straightway out this way. Maybe he comes straightway out this way. Okay, that, that's possible, I suppose. But notice he goes on to say here, it goes on to say, And lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove. So the, 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 the impression that I get is that when he comes straightway out of the water, the heavens are opened, and he saw the dove descending. So, so the impression I get is that his eyes must have been pointing upwards. So he must have been laid backwards in order for the sky to open up to him and to see the dove descending. Otherwise, he would have not seen the sky of opening up and descending as he was coming up out of the water. It had been after he was already out of the water. And he's going, right? I mean, it just seems to me now. That's just, I don't, it just seems to me from the passage that he had to have gone into the water with his back and his face pointing up and come out like we do it. It just seems that way to me, based on how it's written here. So it says, it's, it doesn't matter. Well, I don't, I don't know, but it sure looks a lot more like a death. sure looks a lot more like a burial. And it sure looks a lot, a lot more like a resurrection that way. That's all I'm saying. And it, it just seems to fit when you read the passage. It certainly seems that he went straightway into the water and comes straightway out, and he saw the heavens open and the stuff descending. So it's, it seems like it's, we're pretty close. We've got to be pretty close to this thing. <clears throat> The United House of Prayer for All People, a, non, a non-denominational Pentecostal church, it has places of worship in 24 different states, even in Washington, D.C. They staged a fire hose baptism for, ba- for decades. They've been doing these fire hose baptisms for decades. They did, they've done them in New York. They've done them in certain other cities. And, and um, uh, I mean, fire hose baptisms. You, 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 okay. What they do is they just get a group of people out front, and they take the, the fire hose, and they spray it out there. And the people get baptized. They get baptized. Uh, it, it says in the article, it says, with the cry of, let Jordan roll from the pulpit, the spray from fire hoses rained down on the pulsating crowd of worshipers celebrating salvation and renewal Sunday in a mass baptism that covered nearly a block of, of, the block of, uh, a block of Reed Street. Where they're at, a whole block. You know, just, and the people just had a good time. They had bands playing and stuff. You know, doing different things. I mean, Christian bands, of course, so that's okay. <clears throat> now, the words were probably pretty good. Quote, <clears throat> here's what was said. Just one sprinkle of this holy water can wash you from the inside out. Shouted Apostle O.L. Soul of uh, Raleigh, a leaders, as the leaders uh, wiggled the arc of spray over the packed crowd. It says, many of the women sported shower caps to protect their hairdos. Some men draped towels over their shoulders. But in the end, they all seemed ecstatic to be soaked. Church leaders say the source of the water isn't important. It's a metaphor for the water of the biblical River Jordan. Now notice what they just did there again. They just decided all that matters is to get baptized. 
The method doesn't really matter. It's not that important. It's, it's, it's a picture. It's sig- the significance of it. It represents Jordan water. That's not what baptism is supposed to represent, Jordan's water. Baptism is to what? The purpose of it is to be a picture of the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The picture is to be the death, the burial, and resurrection of our death in Christ, our resurrection in Christ. And now, in order to do that properly, you can't just spray a fire hose in the air and get a little wet. You've got to go down into the water and come back out. Amen. We could take the time to look at biblical examples, but we don't necessarily need to do so. Philip, uh, Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch, Jesus himself that went straightway out of the water. We look at numbers of, the, the, you know, how it was done through the years. If we even, like we said earlier, for years it was done properly. And it had been done and continued to be done properly. Even once the Catholic Church had amassed its, its uh, machine, still men and women continued to rebaptize people, continued to, to do things God's way, and they lost their lives for it. Therefore, because this is a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and our death, burial, and resurrection in Christ, there is no other method of baptism that is scriptural. Therefore, it doesn't matter how many times you get sprinkled, you've not been baptized. Someone says, no, I've been baptized, it's just not your way. No, you have not been baptized because God's way of baptizing is submersion. Okay, let's do it this way. You, you go ahead and run a marathon and you finish under six hours, you believe that'll save you and you'll get to heaven. Well, I ran it under six hours and I believe I'll be in heaven. No, just because you ran the marathon under six hours does not make you saved. The only biblical salvation, God's salvation, is that you, by grace through faith, trust and receive Christ. There is no other way. But, okay, so I'm going to live a good life and I'll be good. I'll be all right. I'll be saved. No, you're not saved, no matter how saved you think you are, because biblical salvation is simply grace through faith. Doesn't matter how much you work at it, doesn't matter how hard you try, it doesn't matter how many good works outweigh the bad, you're just still as lost as you ever were, no matter how saved you believe yourself to be. There is only one way, and that's through Jesus Christ. One, how's that song go? One way, God says, to get to heaven. Jesus is the only way, one way to reach those pearly mansions. Jesus is the only way, no other way, no, no other way, no, no other way to go. There is no other salvation except through Christ. So you can say, we can talk this semantics all day long, but there's no need for semantics because there's just God's Word, and that's all that matters. So baptism, you say, well, I got baptized uh, back when I was a kid. You're not baptized. You were never baptized then. You may have got sprinkled, but you weren't biblically baptized. That baptism means absolutely nothing. As a matter of fact, do you know when you're to be baptized is after you get saved, right? Everyone in the Bible that's ever been baptized made a profession of faith or, or made a conscious decision of salvation. How in the world? Babies can't make that decision, first of all, so they can't possibly be saved, nor can they be baptized in that sense. So here we are now. We're, we're, we're an adult, or say we were 12 or 13 years of age, and we, we, uh, we made a profession of faith, or we did something, and we, we said, you know, I, you know, I said a prayer, and I got baptized. And then we get older, and we go, you know what? I... 
I really need to settle that salvation because in my heart, I'm not convinced I'm really saved. I want to make sure that I'm saved. I want to deal with that. And, and now I'm making an adult decision. I'm making a conscious decision to receive and accept Christ. I, I'm not confident that I had it settled back then. I may have gone through the motions, but I just don't feel that confidence, that security, that, that, that you know. And so I settle it now. Now I'm, now I'm no longer maybe 9 or 10. Now I'm, now I'm 19 or 20 or maybe I'm 17 or I'm, I'm, I'm 35 even. And I get saved and I come to church and the pastor says, Well, you got saved. You need to be baptized. I got baptized when I was 10 years old in a, in a Baptist church just like this. I went all the way under the water. So I, I've already done that. I know, but you need to be baptized because you've not really been baptized. Biblical baptism follows salvation. Therefore, there was no baptism. You got wet, but you didn't get biblically baptized. You know, I'm not trying to be critical here. We're trying to be biblical here. See, in order to be a member of Community Baptist Temple, you need to be saved and baptized. Why? Because that's the first step of obedience. Everybody needs to be baptized to get saved. You get baptized immediately after you get saved. That's the biblical way. So someone says, well, I got baptized when I was a teenager. And now I just trusted Christ, and uh, I want to I I, I be a member of the church. Well, that's good. You're saved. You need to be baptized now. But I was baptized. No, you weren't. You got wet. Because the biblical baptism follows salvation. You, you see, it's, it's not complicated. It, it just someone says, that's stupid. I don't understand that. Take it up with God. I, I don't make the rules. I just enforce them. You know, that's all. I just go, see, God said, you know, yeah, okay. Help me out. Now, don't be mad at me, please. Just do what God says and everybody will be happy. You will too. And that's, that's basically all we try to do, you know, follow God's word, you know. So what's the importance of baptism then? I mean, we already talked about very briefly, we already touched on this issue of baptism. We already said what's the purpose, what's the method. So what's the importance of it? First of all, baptism is, we, is necessary for service. It's necessary. You know, Jesus Christ, look if you will, Matthew chapter 3 verse 13. We were over there once, but let's go to 13 this time. <clears throat> Interestingly enough, Jesus Christ was baptized, but you know that his earthly ministry really did not begin until after he was baptized? He really started doing the works and the miracles and, the, and all those things that he, he, he did on earth after his baptism. That, that was his, his coming out party, so to speak, almost. Baptism is necessary for service. Jesus is our example, first of all, and he submitted to baptism before his ministry began, his public ministry, that is. And you know what? Um, if we won't be baptized publicly, let's face it, we're not going to serve publicly. If we can't do something as simple as go under some water without going, oh, I don't want to do that. I would never want to get out in front of people and do that. that that's just too embarrassing. I mean, are you kidding me? In front of everybody, you get baptized? Oh, that's crazy. Oh, I'm sure you'll just run out and start knocking doors, too. Don't need to be baptized, but I can knock doors, boy. I can pass out tracts. I'd never be embarrassed to do that. Yeah, you would. If you can't get baptized publicly, you're certainly not going to serve God publicly. And that's what God wants us to do. Look at Matthew 3 again. He says here in verse 13, Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of John. John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me. Jesus answered and said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And it's the right thing to do. Then he suffered him. So Jesus is baptized then. And then and in the verse 17, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. 
man, the confirmation of his, his person is, is placed on him right there on the spot. This is the one. This is the Messiah. This is Christ who came. This is God in flesh. Now, watch what he does because he's going to marvel. You're going uh, to be amazed what he's going to do here. And boy, he goes on in his public ministry. We follow in Jesus' footsteps. You want to do anything for God, you need to be baptized. I've watched it over and over again. People try to, try to circumvent God's plan, his purpose, his, his order of things. And so what they do is they get baptized, and then they, they try to grow in the Lord. They try to become what God wants them to be, but they've not been willing to take that next step. They've not been willing to be baptized. You know what I find? Is that it doesn't work. They, they become stagnant. Because, see, God operates on a very simple principle. God operates on this principle. Let's see, you go left to right. I'm going the wrong way. You get saved, and then God says, okay, I want you to, and you go, either yes, sir, or no, sir. But hold on. God doesn't give you something else to do till you accomplish the first thing he asks you to do. It's not, I cleaned, uh, you, I know you told me to clean my room, but instead I cleaned the garage out. Oh, well, then that's fine then, because that's all I want. just wanted you to do something. Uh-uh. God's not like that. He doesn't play games like that, with, like we do. He simply says, I want you to be baptized. Yes or no? Yes, sir. Okay, now I'm ready to give you the next command. Um, yes or no? Yes, sir. Your Christian life will only go forward as often as you say, yes, sir. The moment you start saying, no, sir, to God is the moment your Christian life ceases to go forward. That's as simple as it is. And, and I, don't, I don't care how long you've been in the church. Doesn't matter what your position is. I don't care if you're the pastor. Doesn't matter if you're a trustee. Doesn't matter if you're a, a teacher, a worker. The moment you stop saying, yes, sir, when he asks you to do something, I don't care how minute it may seem to you, how insignificant it may be, you stop going forward for God. You cannot, cannot disregard God's commands and think that you're going to go forward for Him. You don't. It ceases immediately. It's, it, that's not, that, it, that's not, that, that, that has nothing to do with legalism. That, that's not about standards even. It has nothing to do with that. It's about common sense. It's about the Word of God. You obey God or you stop growing in, in, in grace. It's simple. And you know what? It doesn't matter what it is. When the preacher stands up here and preaches on salvation and something in your heart says that you need to give up rock music, guess what? You better give up rock music or you stop going forward for God right off the bat. You're not going further in your Christian life. Well, I'm going to go ahead and start going soul winning. You're wasting your time. You better get rid of the rock music because that's what God's dealing with you about. And until you do that, you're playing games on your terms. You're telling God what you're going to do for him instead of letting God have his perfect work in your life. That's all. So there it is. It's simple. We've got to move quickly, and I'm going to close real, real fast. I just want to share this with you. Baptism says, I'm not ashamed of Christ. Amen. That's what it basically says. I'm not ashamed of Christ. See, baptism identifies you with Christ and the people of God, a body of truth. And, and it identifies you with that. Now, In Matthew chapter 10, verse 32, <clears throat> just a few chapters over, we read, 
Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. We then run to Romans chapter 10 verse 11. And of course, if you've ever led anyone to the Lord, you've run into these verses. And he says in 10, 11, For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Shall not be ashamed. When you are baptized, you're saying, I'm not ashamed of Christ. I, I, I know what Christ did for me. He died, was buried, and rose again. I know that he was baptized, and I want to follow in his steps. And not only that, but I died with him that day. What happened to Christ, I died with him. I died, was buried, and rose again. I'm not ashamed of that fact. I'm a new creature. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm willing to be public with that. He wasn't ashamed of me. I'm not ashamed of him. He was willing to save me in my sin. I'm willing to serve him as Savior. Heinrich Bullinger, Bullinger, he was a Protestant Swiss reformer. He first aided, then he succeeded Zwigli in the work of the Protestant Reformation. He lived back in the 1500s, 1504 to 1575. He hated Anabaptists. Anabaptists were those people who never became part of the Catholic Church and were never really, never, never Protestant. Never Protestants. Protestants are those that what? Protested the Catholic Church. Anabaptists didn't protest the Catholic Church. They tried to help those protesters get out of the Catholic Church. But here's what happened. Those protesters were unwilling to go far enough. Those protesters only wanted to go so far. They weren't willing to really follow the Bible completely in most cases. And as a result of that, the Anabaptists stood their ground. And the Anabaptists said, no, no, we will not continue to comply in any way, shape, or form with Rome. Even if you're coming away from Rome... We can't even fellowship with you till you get right with God and follow His Word. They first started helping the Protestants, and then all of a sudden they said, Whoa, 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 you guys aren't really serious enough about this. And then the Protestants said, Well, we'll just kill you too, like the Catholic Church has done. And that's exactly what happened. And that's exactly how this man felt. Listen to what he has to say. He hated Anabaptists. He opposed them in every way. He's a, now listen, he's a Protestant. He's protesting, the, he's protesting the Catholic Church. This is the Reformation. You'd have thought they'd have been on the side of the Anabaptists. But that's not how it worked. He goes on to say, Anabaptism is as contrary as can be to the doctrine of Christ and His apostles. Truly it is no marvel that the obstinate Anabaptists are kept under the, and punished by common laws. There were laws put in place to punish people who rebaptized people. So, like for instance, Jake, he's, he's uh, of course, in that point, the Catholic Church was everywhere, folks. You've got to understand that. It wasn't like you had a choice of where you wanted to worship. No, you was a Catholic. That was it. You, you were in the Catholic Church. So, Jake, he's a Catholic, right? And he grows up, and now he's 20 years of age, and all of a sudden he hears some guy preaching in his home. And he says, man, I believe that salvation is by grace through faith. I don't believe it's about works. And I don't think I have to go to the priest and have my sins confessed in order to go to heaven. I'm going to trust Christ. I believe in the grace of God. And he gets saved. And I say, guess what, Jake? You need to be baptized. Jake says, but I was baptized as an infant. And I say, I know, but that was under the Catholic laws. But the biblical law says that once you're saved, you need to be scripturally baptized, submerged. Okay, I'll do it. Guess what? If he got caught being baptized, him and the person who baptized him were often persecuted. They were either persecuted, they were placed in prison, they were banished from their home, lost all their goods, or they even lost their very lives for doing that right there. 
They lost it. Everything. Bollinger, he goes on to say, For otherwise these things are damnable, and not to be dissembled or suffered of a Christian magistrate. How pitiful for those poor magistrates, those magistrates that look over the people, and they have to deal with these stupid Anabaptists that are running around telling people they have to be rebaptized, that they have to actually follow the word of God. <clears throat> so they killed him. And he says, good for these magistrates. How dare those Anabaptists follow the word of God like that? Who they think they are? They're the only ones that are right? Never heard that, have you? He's quoted as having stated early on in the Reformation, the Anabaptists think themselves to be the only true church of Christ and acceptable unto God and teach that they who by baptism are received into their churches ought not to have any communion with evangelical or any other whatsoever for that our churches are not true churches any more than the papists. These guys aren't Catholics anymore. These guys have separated from the Catholic Church. But they're saying, these Anabaptists say that if we don't follow their doctrine and rebaptize converts, if we don't do what the Bible says, then they think that we're just as bad as those guys are. We separated from the Catholic Church. We're the right. Who do they think they are? They're right? Well, what, they think they're right? You know how right that these, these, uh, these uh, Reformation, some of these people in the Reformation, this, this uh, Bollinger, you know how right he thought he was? Enough to kill people that he didn't agree with. <clears throat> You know what? Isn't that a sad thing? Do you know that Baptist people were the ones who wanted to have the First Amendment in place? Baptists did. Baptists pushed for it. A Baptist actually got that instated in, in, the, in, in the, the, the Bill of Rights. You know why? Because we wanted the liberty to worship based on our conscience. We wanted the right to say whatever we want to say. We wanted the right to have our own thoughts and our own positions without fear of being thrown in jail. Hey, we, we didn't want a state church. We're the ones that put all that in there, and now they're using it against us. Now they're saying that's separation of church and state. No, the Baptists put that in there to keep the government out of the church, not to keep the church out of government. It's crazy. <clears throat> Getting off course. But baptism. What, what's, we, we talked about it, and we're, we're done with it, but the purpose, the method, the importance of it. Well, I'll tell you what, baptism is important. Because you can't finish or accomplish or do anything until you've taken the first step. Have you been scripturally baptized? Not, not have you been baptized based on what the world calls baptism, but have you been scripturally baptized? I mean, actual baptism. Not just got wet, but have you been baptized? And if you've been saved, you need to be baptized. That's as simple as it is. It's really a simple thought, simple, simple truth. But what a blessing it is. To be able to follow in the foots of the master, the, the footsteps of the master, it's a blessing. It truly is. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for this time together. Lord, it's...